0: Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, thank you for having me today. It's, uh, it's really nice to be in, in um, Sunny Market Harbour this morning. It's the, it's the same as in Stony Stampton, so it's just as glorious either end of the uh, Leicestershire spectrum. So it's good to be here. Are you in Leicestershire? Not in Leicestershire, right? Yes, of course you are. Sorry, sorry guys. So yes, it's good to be here in Leicestershire as I always am, wherever I am, Stony or here. Um, what are you hear this morning as the potential to change your life good. that's that's all right isn't it it's a good start what you hear could could actually change your life in terms of how you um go against things that are that are coming as obstacles and as enemies and um hence the picture of all of these happy soldiers behind me um who are standing this is quite difficult to say so just try it with me if you would shoulder to shoulder soldier to soldier just say that a few times as fast as you can shoulder to shoulder soldier to soldier shoulder to shoulder soldier to shoulder shoulder to shoulder, shoulder, to shoulder. shoulder, to shoulder. it's um that is what today is all about is us as the army of God as the people of God standing together shoulder to shoulder soldier to soldier so um we are obviously going to be breaking bread and sharing the wine together this morning and as a context for that would you mind turning up please 1 corinthians chapter 11. so i'd just like to really this morning just talk a little bit about the the bread and the wine and some of the implications For us in the fact that it's the body and blood of Jesus that we're taking part of this morning and there are a few little things in Joshua's life which can really help us to lay hold of an understanding of how we can best deal with and move forward with the um, the bread and the wine that we take this morning. So let's just first read 1 Corinthians 11 and I'm just going to read from verse 23 in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. So it says there, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. So a man should examine himself. In this way, he should eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep if we were properly evaluating ourselves we would not be judged but when we are judged we are disciplined by the lord so that we may not be condemned with the world therefore my brothers when you come together to eat wait for one another if anyone is hungry he should eat at home so that when you gather together you will not come under judgment and i will give instructions about the other matters whenever whenever i come thank you paul for those uh, weighty words um as I read this recently, I was just really struck by our need to recognize the body when we come together to break bread. And um, verse 29 there, it says, for whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly want to eat and drink judgment on myself. That doesn't seem like a very good idea to the God of the universe. So I wanna make sure that I do a good job of, of recognizing the body when I come together to share in this meal. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, Jesus' body was broken for us as part of his sacrifice, wasn't it? His body was broken for us. And this broken body was broken once. It only happened the one time because his sacrifice was all sufficient for the rest of eternity. Um, And it's not now going to be broken again and again. Jesus' body is is no longer broken. It's a whole body. If it wasn't, that would... Devalue his sacrifice. It would say that actually, Jesus, your body broken wasn't really enough for our unity now as the body of Christ. Because you know, the, the body of Christ now, which is perfect and whole and full, is the church. Yes. Yeah. That's what God tells us, is that the church is the body of Christ. It means that the body of Christ, uh, it looks a little bit like Dave Vasey you know, and it looks like Sharon Chapman. Um, and it looks, uh, it looks like Tim, it looks like Ian, and it looks like Tilly, and it looks like Phil. And that's what the body of Christ looks like. That is what the body of Christ looks like. That's some parts of the body. And you know, a, a body that's, that's healthy, a body that, that's really healthy, um, or if you think of a bride that's really beautiful, or if you think of an army that's really strong and courageous, a body, an army, and a bride, Let's call it Bab, Body Army Bride. So if you think of Babs, (laughs) if Babs is doing really, really well, then every part is supporting one another, Every, every part is unified and together, and every part is shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier. That's when Babs is at her absolute best, the body, the army, the bride of Christ. And so I would love us to be that sort of body that is standing together shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier I will say it wrong one of the times I say I'm sure I was really encouraged when I was listening to Andrew Eagle speak a few weeks ago and he was talking about waging warfare with the word and this is one of the things that he said about the body of Christ I'm just I thought I'd steal it and stick it in my preach this morning because it's really good and it saves me trying to say it in a different way so he said God put you in a body so that we can stand with you and join our faith with your faith Sometimes I think that God gives us these challenges that we need someone else to stand with us in to force us to give up our independence. Most of us are extremely independent and self-sufficient, and that is our natural disposition. The natural disposition of heaven is to say, I'm so codependent on everybody else that I won't be able to make it unless we make it together. I'm not going to be able to go all the way God wants me to go unless I do it with the help of others. The body is built up with that which each joint supplies. I just, I loved that emphasis on our codependence of one another <clears throat> because it's very easy to be really independent and, and go it alone and to be the person that, you know, I, I'm gonna break through all the barriers, I'm gonna do all this, but, but God's called us into a body. God's called us into the body of Christ who are to stand together, shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier, and move forward advancing together. And we see a a wonderful description of some parts of this in Ephesians 4. Um, Why don't you have a turn to there? I'm not going to read it word for word, but I just want to refer to a couple of things. So it'd be good for you just to see it on the page as well. Ephesians chapter 4. This is... a one of the best chapters of the Bible. <laughs> Bold claim, I know. There's, there's quite a few of the best chapters, but this is one of them. But Ephesians 4, it, um, as you just look at the, the words on the page there, particularly in the, the top half, you'll see that it, it talks all about our unity and our diversity in the body of Christ. <clears throat> and time and time again, it emphasizes our, our oneness and our unity. It talks about... Uh, diligently keeping the unity of the spirit in verse three with peace that binds us verse four there is one body and one spirit just as you are called to one hope one lord one faith one baptism one god and father it's talking all about our unity and our togetherness and it's in that context that in verse 11 it tells us that christ is giving gifts to his church gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and they're these sort of elusive Ephesians 4 ministries. And we can ask ourselves, well, why did God give these ministries? Why did Jesus in his ascension give these ministries to the church? Um, was it so that they would all be these really special people to be the, the prestigious ministries that do all of the work and uh, get all the glitz and the, and the glamour and um, they're the superstars of the church? Yeah. No, I don't think so either. I think he, he anointed them for the task of encouraging and helping the whole church to be apostolic and prophetic and evangelistic and pastoral and able to teach. He didn't give them to be seen as the glitzy and glamorous Ephesians four ministries. He gave them to try their hardest to do themselves out of a job by making us so apostolic. Look at this, the unity of the body working together (laughs) to keep the stand straight, (coughs) that's good. All of these ministries are given to the church to make us so apostolic and pastoral and evangelistic and prophetic and able to teach that they essentially do themselves out of a job. That's the purpose of them. They are are there so that we all get to the unity and maturity of the faith. And that's what it says in verse 13. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith. And that we all is, is so, so important. That's such an important two words that we have there, we all. Because what it means is that I don't reach the unity and maturity of faith if you don't do it too. No pressure. But that's what it means. It means that God's not calling me to be the one that overcomes every obstacle, comes through every health challenge, lives in the power of the Holy Spirit while he calls you to something else. He's calling the body of Christ, he's calling the church of God, the army of God to that purpose. He's calling us as the army of God to be that way. He's calling us as the bride of Christ to be spotless and blameless without wrinkle or blemish. That's our, that's our heading, that's where we're going. And the thing is that you're not gonna become perfect, spotless and blameless and the bride of Christ unless I'm also becoming the bride of Christ. I have a responsibility. It takes both of us, it takes all of us together because Christ is only gonna have one bride. Christ is gonna have one bride not one bride in Market Harborough Mm -hmm. one bride in Stony Stanton not one bride here at our Mm -hmm. whatever branch of church you want to call it and one bride in the Catholic Church down the road Mm -hmm. and the Methodists and the Pentecostals no, Christ is going to have one bride Christ is coming back for a unified together one bride of Christ without spot, wrinkle or blemish and we don't get there unless we all get there that puts such a responsibility on us, doesn't it? We don't get there unless we all get there, which means that you don't get there if I don't get there. I feel the weight of that responsibility. That I, I know that, that Dad isn't gonna get there if I don't get there with him. That's such a responsibility for me. I have to take it seriously. If I'm not growing into all that God has for me and helping us all to do that as well, then that has a, a negative impact on other people in the body. We all get there together. When Ben Morris was um, speaking in, in Stony Stanton a few weeks ago, he, he's, he said this phrase, we don't get there unless we all get there. And he went on to say, we have a responsibility to one another. If I'm standing in a line with you in the army of God, and I, I want to know that your breastplate is done up properly, and your sword is sharp, I want to know that, that you're ready and you're prepared. And if you're not, I'm going to help you. Because as we stand shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier, we've got to be looking out for one another. We've got to say, you know, is your, is your breastplate of righteousness in place? Is it, is it fitted well? Is your sword sharp? Is your sword of the spirit that's the word of God? Is that, is that sharp? You know, you'll notice about the, the armour of God, that's what that's referring to, which is in Ephesians 6. You'll notice that all of the items of, of the armour are kind of on the front of the body. You've got the, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of of righteousness, feet that are sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. That's a nice phrase, isn't it? Sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. The shield of faith that can extinguish the arrows of the evil one, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. It's all moving forward, advancing armoury, isn't it? It's interesting that you, you don't get the rear torso protector of patience. You don't see that. You don't get the calf plates of zeal. There's no calf plates of zeal. You don't get the neck guard of sober judgment. You don't, you don't see any of that stuff. And I don't want to read too much into it, but I'm, I think that maybe there's not so much armor on the back because we're called to have one of his backs. We're called to be the armor of God moving forward, advancing. And we've got each other's backs. We're making sure that we're covering one another and we're moving forward together. So there's no net guard of sober judgment. I'm sorry to inform you guys. And so I just want to ask this question. um, And then I want to give a couple of examples from Joshua's life before we then take the bread together. And this is a question, just consider this now. And shortly, I'd like you just to talk about it with the person or people you're sitting next to. So this is the question. Is there a battle you're engaged in? that we can stand with you shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier, and claim the victory that is rightfully ours. Is there a battle you're engaged in that we can stand with you shoulder to shoulder, shoulder, (laughs) soldier to soldier, and claim the victory that is rightfully ours? I say rightfully ours because your victory is my victory and your hurt is my hurt, because when one part of the body grieves, the whole body grieves, and when one part rejoices, the whole body rejoices. So that is the question I want to I pose to you, and I just wanted to take a quick look at Joshua to have a look at a couple of times where you see unity and togetherness and standing together in battles for the Lord, and it has a positive and awesome outcome. So the first of those It's actually before the book of Joshua, but it is about Joshua, so let me off, okay? It's in Exodus chapter 17. Why don't you have a a turn there? Exodus 17. Everyone okay? Good. Exodus chapter 17. And from verse eight, it's the, you've probably heard this story before. But it says there, from verse eight, it says, at Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, here he is, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him, good idea, and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held his hand, held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. And then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. I just, I love that story. And I love the fact that Joshua, before he's going and fighting against all the enemies to claim the promised land, he's in this situation and he's witnessing the fact that Moses is standing there with Aaron and her in unity with him, holding his arms up, because I believe that our, um, our unity and our harmony with one another can actually work in collaboration with the power of God. God's power is outworked in this situation. It's, it's a miracle, isn't it? It's supernatural that whenever Moses' hands were held up, they were winning, and whenever they came down, they were losing. But I believe that as we stand together and as we fight battles together, not being independent, but being codependent, with our hands raised together, then we actually co-labor with the power of God and we can see the power of God come to pass in those situations. Yes. I also love the fact that they, they saw that Moses was, was growing heavy and tired and they put a stone underneath him to sit on. Probably not the comfiest, but they put a stone underneath him and I was just reminded that, we, we really have such a responsibility to one another to bring the rock of Christ and put it into each of the situations and say, look, I know this is tough, but I'm here with you. I'll hold your hand for you. But let me tell you that you're sitting on the rock of Christ, Christ who wears the victor's crown. And we know that in his name, every high thing must come down, every stronghold will be broken, for he wears the victor's crown. And here he is, be seated on him, be seated on him. Be seated on him. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a posture of, of being so comfortable with who he is and being so confident and secure that we actually sit down into who Christ is. Yes. You know, there's, there's times to stand and, and wage war with the word, and, and that's equally as important. But in this situation, you just see, you know what? He's seated on the rock. It's not going anywhere. It's not a chair that's going to be pulled out from underneath me. Seated on the firm rock of Christ with Aaron and her standing with him, holding his hands up to see the power of God move in that situation. And that's our responsibility today. So I I just love that you see that about Joshua. You see that unity, that shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier, standing together. And then a little bit later on in in the book of Joshua, in chapter one, this is just a very, very simple thing, but it just stood out to me. So Joshua chapter one, There's a few words which come back and back to Joshua, which you've probably heard a few times and doubtless you'll hear them many, many times over the next few weeks and months. It's be strong and courageous. And when God is charging Joshua with all that is to happen, he uses this phrase, be strong and courageous. And in Joshua 1, verse 6, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Verse 7, above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have, su- have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Verse nine, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Joshua, this is the word of the Lord to you, be strong and courageous. Will, this is the word of the Lord to you, be strong and courageous. In every situation that you're going through, be strong and courageous. And you know what, sometimes we can say, God, I know that that's your word to me, Um, but I could just, I I need a bit more extra encouragement. I need people around me. Mm -hmm. And Joshua, when he then talks to the army commanders and he's telling them all about what they're going to do, it's the army commanders that come back to him in verse 17 and they say, we will obey you just as we obeyed Moses in everything. And may the Lord God be with you as he was with Moses." anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words in all that you command him will be put to death. Put to death. And then they say to Joshua, above all, be strong and courageous. And I just, I love that, that, you know, we can, we can have the word of God to us from God. And that's amazing. And that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. But when we're then reminded of that word by people around us who are going through our thing with us, that's so powerful. For those army commanders to come to Joshua and say, let me remind you of the word of God. Be strong and courageous. We're in this with you. We'll hold your hands up and we're with you. Be strong and courageous. And so just with those two things in mind and having a, a bit of an idea of how we can help one another to go through things, for the, to see the power and glory of God come through in those situations, I'd just like to re-ask you this question and give you a minute or two to discuss it with the person next to you. And then we're gonna break the bread together because it's the body that was broken for our unity and our standing together and our advancing together and our breaking down strongholds together. So this is the question, Um, chat with the person next to you and whilst that's happening, we'll make sure the bread is to everybody and then we can take it together. So is there a battle you're engaged in that we can stand with you in shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier, and claim the victory that is rightfully ours. Is there a battle you're engaged in that we can stand with you in shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier, and claim the victory that's rightfully ours? Okay, just have a chat with the person next to you and we'll get some bread around and then we'll break it together. Okay sorry that's a bit of a short time to do that if you want to continue to talk I'd encourage you to do that after um, the meeting today and there's plenty of bread and wine and time to fellowship with one another so that would be a really productive use of time if you if you want to do that but um, perhaps you could just put your hand on the person next to you that you you prayed with and prayed and uh, talked with sorry Lord I want to thank you for your body that was broken for us Lord, I thank you that at one time and for all time, your body was broken for us so that we could live in and experience eternal unity and togetherness with one another. And Lord, we just put our situations before you now and we commit to you, Lord, but we commit also to one another to be those that will come alongside one another, to hold one another's hands up, to point people to the rock of Jesus, but to stand together in our situations Lord to stand together and and trust in who you are in your faithfulness and your goodness Lord and your steadfastness thank you for the truth of your promises Lord that your words never fail and so Lord we just commit ourselves and our brothers and sisters to you Lord and we thank you for your body that's brought us together Amen. Amen Amen Does anyone feel as happy as these guys yet? I love his smile. It's an infectious smile, that guy. They all seem to have the same pair of glasses on as well, which is interesting. Anyway, that's not important. So, the body that was broken for our unity and the blood of Christ, oh my word. There's a lot that we could say about the blood of Christ, but for time's sake, we won't. Um, In 1 Corinthians that we read at the start, and in verse 25, it, it describes the blood or the cup as the cup of the new covenant established by my blood. The cup of the new covenant established by my blood. And the blood of Christ has achieved for us, if you like, our ability to now live in a new covenant relationship with God. Because of all that Christ achieved for us on the cross, mm. He is now... Um, come to bring us into a new covenant relationship with god where there is no separation where there's total holiness and there's complete forgiveness and wholeness and health and life lived to abundance and it's interesting how the bible describes the blood of christ um, and how it describes blood actually this i hope this isn't too gory for you but um you don't need to turn here but in leviticus chapter 17 Got to include a bit of Leviticus for a a good preach. Leviticus chapter 17, um, it says from verse 10, it says, Anyone from the house of Israel or from the foreigners who live among them, who eats any blood, I will turn against that person who eats blood and cut him off from his people. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have appointed it to you to make atonement on the altar for your lives, since it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you and no foreigner who lives among you may eat blood. Any Israelite or foreigner living among them who hunts down a wild animal or birds that may be eaten must drain its blood and cover it with dirt, since the life of every creature is in its blood. I've told the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats it must be cut off. That's part of the, the old covenant law of God, and it's talking about the life of the creature is in the blood. The life is in the blood. And the people are sworn against eating the blood, sworn against having that blood inside of them. And then in John chapter six, again, you don't need to turn here, but just trust me, this is what it says. <laughs> but in John six and from verse 53, just think about all that, that said in Leviticus about don't Don't eat the blood. Don't have the blood in you. The life is in the blood. John 6 from verse 53, it says, So Jesus said to them, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from my Father. It is not like the manna your fathers ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. The life is in the blood. The life is in the blood and the life of Christ is in the blood of Christ which he implores us to have on the inside of us. He implores us to eat the flesh and to drink the blood and to have the life of Christ living inside of us. Because, you know, it's our inheritance to to live in a new covenant relationship with God. That's the promise of God to us, is that we can live in and walk in and enjoy the new covenant relationship that we have with God. And similarly with, with Joshua, you know, he had a promise from God that they were going to go into this promised land. God essentially said to them, this is your inheritance, the promised land. But, spoiler alert, there are lots of enemies in the promised land. It wasn't all good and, and ready to live in. They had to claim their inheritance. They had to have a responsibility and do something about it. God's promise wasn't untrue. They would have the promised land, but they had a responsibility and they had to claim it for themselves. And it's the same for us with our inheritance. God's given us a promise that we will live in and enjoy new covenant relationship with God but we don't just sit back and wait for that to happen we have a responsibility to claim all that is for us Mm -hmm. and to stand against all that is against us Mm -hmm. in our pursuit and our um, enjoyment of new covenant relationship Mm -hmm. with God it's our inheritance so I just wanted to um, kind of in in closing before we take the the wine uh, just read you some things about the blood of Christ about what it means for us with a bit of a new covenant covenant, um, angle, if you like. So this is what the blood of Christ means to us in living in new covenant relationship. So as Dave's just reminded me, seven is a perfect number. So I've just got seven verses for you, if that's okay. Um, But in all seriousness, um, Lord, I just pray that you would allow your word to wash over us right now, Lord. And I pray that you would reveal to us more greatly uh, the meaning of your blood, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that there is now no separation between us and you, Lord. There there is no way that we can earn ourselves into your presence, but your blood has achieved everything for us. And I just pray for a fuller understanding of that right now. Uh, Feel free to note these scriptures down, but we won't turn to them for the sake of time. So the first is, is Hebrews 9. And 11 to 14. And it says. But the Messiah has appeared, high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkling those who are defiled sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of the Messiah who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse our consciences from dead work to serve the living God. It's the blood of Christ that cleanses our inner being not just the outer man, not just the body, but it cleanses our, our inner being. Hebrews ten, nineteen to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he has opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. It's the blood of Christ that grants us access to the presence of God. How awesome is that? The blood of Christ gives us access to the presence of God. Romans five, six to nine. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. It's the blood of Christ that justifies us. It declares us as righteous. It means that God is justified in calling us righteous. He's got a just reason for calling us righteous because of the blood of Christ. Colossians 1, 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The blood of Christ gives us peace with God. I'm so glad to live in peace with God. That's such a, a weight off your shoulders, isn't it? To just to live in peace with God. Ephesians 1, 7 to 8. This is number five of seven. We have redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. The blood of Christ has redeemed us and forgiven us of all of our sin. Thank you, Lord. Lord. This is number six. It's from Revelation 5, and verses 8 to 10. It says, when he took the scroll, this is Jesus, when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, Each one had a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. You know, the blood of Christ has redeemed every tribe, language, and nation to make us into a kingdom of priests to reign on this earth. What a mandate. The blood of Christ has made us kings and priests to reign on this earth. You know, I don't think our enemies really stand a chance, do you? I think, I'm not sure they've got the memo. (laughs) Jesus wins? Did we know that? The blood of Christ has made us kings and priests to rule on the earth and just to really cement that in number seven is from revelation 12 verse 11 and it simply says they conquered him that's the enemy and that's as they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they did not love their lives in the face of death the blood of the lamb conquers the enemy pure and simple. The blood of the Lamb conquers the enemy. And so for us, we know that the life is in the blood. The life of the new covenant is in the blood of Christ. And as we take the the wine together now in closing, I'd like you to again consider and just have a, a quick chat with the person next to you about this question. What aspect of our inheritance of new covenant life are you taking as your own so that we can stand with you shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier? What aspect of our inheritance of new covenant life are you taking as your own? Maybe it's, I'm going to see miracles. Maybe it's, I'm going to live in health. Maybe it's, I'm going to always rely on God as my source. I'm always going to trust that his word is faithful I'm going to live in such a way that I'm displaying my new covenant relationship with God. Any aspects of that? Something I'd like to step into? A way that I'd like to step up? What is it for you that we can stand with you in, shoulder to shoulder, soldier to soldier? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, so just um, have a chat. We'll get the wine around. Um, and just take the wine with the person next to you when it comes around to you and you continue to talk before and after you've had the wine I'll just um, just pray to thank the Lord for his wonderful blood um, but feel free to can continue your conversations afterwards um, Lord thank you so much for the blood of Jesus Christ thank you Lord that your blood cleanses us, it brings us into your presence Lord it justifies us, it gives you peace with you You've redeemed us and forgiven us through your blood. You've made us into kings and priests to reign on the earth through your blood. You've conquered every enemy with your blood. You. And Lord, we, we thank you that that blood is, is the life that we enjoy, all that we know that's in your blood. We know that that's the life that is our inheritance. And so we make a decision today to step up more into what you have for us to be strong and courageous and, and step into what you have for us, Lord, to be full of faith and to, yeah. to step up into what that you have for us, Lord. Lord, thank you for being such a good God, for giving us such wonderful gifts. Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.